0: We are live and we are back. Let's go. Welcome to the Court and the Full of Podcast. This is your host, Corey, one half of the Court and the Full Affat Podcast. And I am back, like I never left, with another Wealth Wednesday. This is, I think this is number seven. This is how, this is how I'm gonna number it. I think this is the seventh one. It might be six. This actually, I think this is six. Regardless, here on Wealth Wednesdays, we get straight to it. We discuss finances only. My co host Jordan. He is still on paternity leave. However, I did speak to Jordan a couple of days ago, and he said he is doing what he can to get back, as far as showing back up on the podcast. And he might be back in, I would say, in the next couple of weeks. He and his wife are getting on a schedule with with scheduled with their newborn. And he's saying, "Yo, I think I think we're on a schedule now. And I think I got a couple of hours. So we'll see. Jordan might be back sometime in October." Also, for those of you waiting on that business information. Jordan is doing what he can to get back to y'all. But as you know, for Wealth Wednesdays, I get straight to it. No finance stuff, no jibber jabber, no joking, nothing like that. But before I get into this investment information, as you can see what the topic is by the title of the video or the podcast, however you listen on these platforms, make sure you leave that like if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you leave those rating reviews. As well, if you're on the podcast platforms, my information sideline underscore Corey. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then my co-host Jordan is Stop Stalling Jay. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well. And then his business page for his personal training is Finally Fit. On uh, he's on that's on Facebook and Instagram. And then his website is Finally Fit dot live. And all of our information is in the show notes in the YouTube videos. Now. For all these Walk Wednesdays, I've been sort of building through how I talk about you should prioritize your budget, right? Necessities, debt payments, investments, lifestyle. We did the budget overall. We talked about the emergency fund. We had a little talk about the student loans, which I still have to do the recap on once that officially drops for the um, application forgiveness. And then um, up next, right? We talked about we talked about that snowball, the avalanche. And now up next is the investing section. So. There are three main things when it comes to investing, as far as accounts that you can invest in. There's your 401k, there's IRAs, and then there's the, your tax your taxable or your personal brokerage account. Okay. Now, again, I recommend before you start investing that you don't have any debt, excluding your mortgage, and that you at least have your thirty-six months of emergency fund. Now, some of you may be in a position. Where you can hit your savings goal and your debt payoff goal and the time you want to hit it and continue to invest whatever you're investing at the same time that's when you have to sit down and do a budget and if you're okay with getting out of debt in three years and you'll be able to invest then go ahead and do that but as i always say in three years you need to have the debt paid off okay but let's just say you define how you want to handle debt. you handle it that way and now you want to start investing the first thing is the 401K. That's usually what most people are well versed in. When it comes to your 401K, that is going to be something that's an employer-sponsored retirement account. Now, I'm discussing 401K here. I'm also talking about 403 Bs. That's something that usually provided, you know, for people who are in the um, healthcare field or teacher or something like that, or for the state. But in general, I'm talking about your employer-sponsored retirement account. So to get a 401K, this is something that you need your employer to create for you. You can't go and do this on your own like the IRA and taxable brokerage account that I'll get to. So for your 401k, usually what the main benefit is for a 401k is that your employer is able to make contributions to it. And those contributions usually require you to invest a certain amount of money. And it, de- it depends on where you're at. A lot over here, you know, in Maryland with the, a lot of government stuff, they usually match you up to 4%, but they match the first 3% dollar dollar for dollar. And then to get 4%, is 50% for when you invest 4 and 5%. So technically, you have to invest 5% to get 4%. But regardless, review, you know, your HR documentation on your 401k and see how much money you need to invest. To get the max, some some people you don't have to invest at all. Your job might contribute uh, 1%, even if you don't invest. So, first thing you want to look at is how much you need to contribute to get the full match. The next thing you want to look at is the vesting schedule. Now, the vesting schedule is going to tell you when the money that you put in the account and when the money that your employer puts in the account is yours. That is extremely important because what you don't want to do is let's say change jobs before you're fully vested, either your money and or your employer's money and you think you're leaving with tens of thousands of dollars but nope your, your employer's contribution isn't invested until 100 until you stay for three years and if you leave before you hit that three-year mark you leave with zero percent of your employer's contribution and same thing with your contribution same thing with your um the money that you actually put in you might not be fully vested for a year or two years it's different for every job most jobs are going to have you fully vested on your end, as far as you know. This coin flip, what's it going to be? You're usually going to be vested one hundred percent on your end as soon as you start putting the money in. But when it comes to the employer contribution, that's when you might see a different vesting schedule. But that's what you want to look at: is if your money's going to be fully invested right right away, or even sometimes your employer might not even make a contribution until after you've been working there for a year or 90 days. You might not even be able to start investing in your 401k until after the 90-day probationary period. There's a lot, a lot of different rules that each employer can set up. There's there's no particular law that says they have to do this, that, and the third, but you just want to make sure you understand what you need to do to get your employer match and what you need to do or how long you need to be there to be 100% invested so you don't leave and think you got all this money and then you don't, okay? Not <laughs> not, not, to mention you got it well. I don't recommend 401k loans. you got to look at that, too, how that can get a little tricky. Now, once you see how much money you need to contribute so that you're um, getting the full match and that you're fully, fully vested, the next thing is, well, how much money can I put in? This goes up um, usually every year due to inflation, um, something the IRS sets right now for the 2022 year. The most you can put in and you excluding your employer match. So how much money you can actually put in is twenty thousand five hundred dollars. Okay, I'm gonna calculate up real quick. Let's see how much that is for a month. Yeah, it's a little, a little over seventeen hundred dollars a month that you that you can invest into your four hundred one k. Which would be if you get paid twice a month, a little a little over eight hundred and fifty dollars that you would be able to invest in your four hundred one k. Now, you do have the option that you can. Say you want to invest the $20,000 in the first six months. Let's say you have crazy income or you don't need your income, right? You know, do a household income and you don't actually need your income to live off of. You, you do have the flexibility most times to contact your HR or whoever handles your 401k and say, hey, this is actually how much money I want to put in per paycheck. And you can actually max it out earlier in the year. You have those, those options. Uh, I wouldn't recommend for or against that. You just have to be weary. If you do do that, you'll be investing all of your money, you know, earlier in the year. And so you're subject to those market conditions and that just puts you at a disadvantage when it comes to dollar cost averaging. So if you were to do something like uh, this year, if you would invest all your money beginning of this year, right, you would have got in when the market was high and then you would have had that 20,000 there and you would have rode all the way down. Um, You wouldn't have been able to dollar cost average as a market. The market has been continuing to slide. I wouldn't say it's just been sliding. That's that's all it's been doing. Like it's at a water park or something. That's what you want to look at uh, for your 401k that max contract, what you need to get your employee match, your vesting schedule, and then um, know how much money you can put in there. Now, m- most people are not going to be putting in that $20,000 because that, again, this is 401k or traditional 401k. So this is pre-tax money. Okay. So this is coming out of your gross. If you make hundred thousand dollars, you would invest this 20,500. You only be making um, $80,000 a year or seven, 79,000, you know, $500. That's how much money you'd be making. Okay. So just remember when you're talking about 401k, a 401k or traditional 401k, mm-hmm. the money you put in is pre-tax. All right. Now there's something called a Roth 401k. Whenever you hear a Roth, because are going to get into the Roth when we get to the IRAs, whenever you hear a Roth, that just means that the money that you put in is post-tax. So it's not like a traditional 401k where it's pre-tax or your um your insurance, your health insurance, your um, dental insurance division, where those are pre-tax deductions or your 401k contribution. If you have a Roth 401k, that's something that you do post-tax. So it's actually come out of your pay that hits your bank account. So let's say you get paid, I don't know, $5,000 a month, right? So $2,500 a check. Okay. And let's say you're doing a you're doing a traditional 401k contribution. So that money is pre-tax that you're putting in. You actually make that $5,000 a month. However, let's say you're actually investing $500 into your 401k, but it's a Roth 401k. Instead of you making $5,000 a month, you're going to make $4,500 a month. You're going to put in $250 every check. So instead of you making $5,000 a month, oh, you're going to get that $5,000. And they're like, oh, wait, we still got to put another $250 for each of these checks into your Roth 401k. When your employer makes their contributions, those are still pre tax So technically, if you have a Roth 401k, you're going to have, I wouldn't say like two 401ks. I can't verify how your jobs and have your system set up, but your employer's contributions always go to a traditional 401k or pre-tax 401k. When you have a Roth 401k, your, condi- your contributions will go into the Roth 401k. Again, like I said, always remember Roth just means that the money that you put in is post-tax. Okay, Roth 401k is... I think they came out, I believe that this um, this millennium, I don't even think they're 20 years old yet. So your, your employer might not have one. I think a lot of employers are starting to, you know, uh, add a Roth 401k um to the options. Again, like I said, 401ks are employer sponsored account. So your if your job doesn't have it, then your job doesn't have it. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe you can ask them, you know, to, to look to it. but there's nothing you can do on that front. The one thing I want to say about the Roth 401k and the 401k, or just 401ks in general, understand the 401k terms. 401ks, traditional, and Roth 401ks, they're going to be closely related versus a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Outside of the post-tax and pre-tax contribution difference between a Roth and a traditional, whether it's a 401k and an IRA, Everything is going to be the same for a 401k. So all the general rules and stipulations like the contribution limit, the matching, um, the income, excuse me, the contribution limit as far as that $20,000 or what you need to do to get the match for a 401k, that's going to be the same whether it's traditional or Roth. It's just that post-tax difference. Now, next up is the, the IRA. So you got a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. And whenever you're looking at these two investment products, 401k or IRA, it's always best to assume it's a traditional or it's a normal IRA, meaning the money you're putting in is pre-tax, okay? If, if you think it's a Roth, you need to see Roth before you see 401k or IRA. Roth, 401ks, and IRA should be notated clearly that they are that. Now, when it comes to the traditional IRA, the money you put in isn't quote-unquote pre-tax. You actually put that money still in post-tax, However, you're able to take it as a deduction when you file your taxes that year, which essentially makes it seem as if it was pre-tax from a tax filing standpoint. So let's say for the IRA, it is $6,000 this year for how much money you can put in there. And let's just say you put $6,000 to your Roth IRA and you make $100,000 pre-tax. So when you file your taxes, you can actually deduct that $6,000 that you put into your traditional IRA. And instead, you'll be making $94,000 this year by the way this is entertainment purposes only i know i forgot to do something my freaking disclaimer and i am not a tax professional please sit down with a professional or investment pro- a tax professional or investment professional before using any of this information and do your own research but okay so again for the traditional ira just like the roth ira or even the roth 401k that money you put in is coming out of your paycheck that you actually get okay so that the traditional ira 't a pre-tax deduction. You still got to kick that money out. Then when we transition to the Roth IRA, you are still putting that money in post-tax, just like the traditional IRA. But when you take the money out of the Roth IRA, just like the Roth 401k, the money that you take out once you get past the age limit, which I think is, is 50, 59 and a half, that money is not taxed because the money you put in was post-tax. So for the Roth not only is the money you're putting in post-tax, when you take it out, you don't pay any taxes versus a 401k or traditional 401k or traditional IRA. When you take out the money, it gets taxed, whatever tax rate you're at when you take out that money. OK, now, bo- both of these do have, you know, penalties where if you withdraw, um, you know, before the you know retirement age that you have to pay a, um, a penalty or even taxes on. It depends on what you do for 401ks, even IRAs, you do. Have the ability to take out um loans against them i do not recommend doing that which is why i'm not getting into it but i'm just gonna say it right here do not i would not i saw this on another episode i can't remember which one but y'all say you know you want to be able to invest into the stock market and then you take your stock market money and put it in the real estate okay the the non-intended stock market money uh not the non-intended real estate money there's nothing wrong with investing in the stock market to build up your down payment but when you have a 401k or a Roth IRA traditional IRA, that's retirement money. That's not to eventually be used for, you know, your first home purchase, which they, they allow y'all to do. Always remember if you do take out a 401k loan is due, Um, you are able to pay it back as long as you still work there out of your paycheck, but it is going to be due 60 days after you leave that job, leaving that job being death. Um, you get a new job or they let you go. One of those three options, qualifies as leaving the job. So you got 60 days to pay that back and it's all due. And if you don't pay it back, it's viewed as an early distribution and that's where the the early withdrawal penalty and the taxes come in to play. Now for the Roth IRA, any money that you put in there, you are able to take it out and not pay any taxes on it because you already paid the taxes on it. But, and that's money that you've invested. So even if you invest, let's say you invest in some VU, Right. And you're like, oh, I need to take some of this money back. Let's say you put six thousand in there and your account's grown to seven thousand dollars. You can take that six thousand dollars out that you put in. So it has to be six thousand dollars of your own money, not six thousand dollars worth of growth or seven thousand dollars, however you want to look at it, because you're you know, you have all these different investments in there and your accounts going up and down. And so you actually have to look and see. How much money you have in growth or unrealized gains versus how much money you actually contributed any of your contributions, not the growth, but your contributions you can take out um, from the stock market and you don't have to pay any taxes on it. Now, for the Roth IRA, unlike the 401k or the IRAs, the excuse me, the Roth, Roth IRA, the 401ks have an RMD or required minimum distribution age where once you hit this age. And 72, um, it was 70 and a half when Obama was in office, but now uh, when Trump was in office, he uh, moved it to 72. Once you hit this age, you are required to take a minimum distribution out of your 401k. So you can't just leave it sitting there forever. This is a formula that's calculated. It's not a set number that everybody has to take out. It's based on a myriad of factors. But once you hit 72, you will have to start taking some withdrawals or distributions out of that account. But when you move over to something like the Roth IRA, you can leave that money sitting in there forever. I mean, obviously, once you if you pass away, you obviously got to move, move, transfer that to somebody's beneficiary. But there is no requirement of distribution age for the Roth IRA. OK, the last thing with the IRAs, there's traditional IRA and there's a Roth IRA. You can put six thousand dollars total into IRA. So meaning an even split or investment into a traditional IRA would be three thousand dollars you can't put 6,000 in a Roth and 6,000 in a traditional IRA. The most you can put in an IRAs in total is $6,000. Whatever you put in one, you have to subtract that from 6,000 and that's what you can put in in the other. Now for IRAs, if you are married, you are able to open up one for your spouse as long as you're uh, married filing joint for your tax filing status. And even if they do not have a job, you are able to invest in their IRA because of your tax filing status. I was for employee; employer. You can't do that because they would need to have a job to invest into a 401k. But for the IRA standpoint, you are able to open up a Roth IRA. If you have a stay at home spouse and even if they don't have a job, as long as you all are married filing joint, you can invest into their Roth IRA and yours as well. So that'd be a total of $12,000. I believe for next year, they are changing the amount to 6,500. dollars Um, as far as the most, you can put in IRAs, but those numbers haven't officially came out yet. I will obviously update you guys once those numbers, um, officially drop from the IRS. Now, before I get off of IRAs, there's something called a simple IRA. And I can't remember what simple stands for an IRA, by the way, stands for individual retirement account. And 401k is literally, uh, section 401 subsection K or however they, you know, uh, list out those sections in the IRS tax, tax code. If you look at the tax code, you go to 401 and you go to K, it'll tell you about you know your employer-sponsored account. If you go to section 403 and then go to B, it'll be there. All right, but for simple IRAs, those are not IRAs like traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. To go over those real quick, these are these are usually things small businesses might have. They're the same thing as a 401k, so it's still an employer-sponsored account. For whatever reason, they decide to name it the simple IRA. But think of a simple IRA if you have one as more of the 401k, 403b, employer sponsor type of accounts, not like your Roth or traditional IRA. Now, last but not least, is a taxable brokerage account. Now, the taxable brokerage account, again, post-tax money. All right. When you have any gains in this account, when you make sales, unlike the 401k and the IRAs, you have to pay, if you have gains when you make sales, you have capital gains taxes you need to pay. And those can show themselves in the form of short-term capital gains or long-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains is any gains that you've had or when you any sales that you do where you've held it less than 366 days. So it's a year or less for short-term capital gains. So it should be notated on your, broker, um, your brokerage account, whoever you're with. If it's a short or long term hold, but if it's a short hold and you make that sell and you have gains, you will have to pay short term capital gains taxes on those taxes. The short term capital gains rate is the same thing as your regular nine to five, your W-2. So you got 10, 12, 22, 32, 35 or 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37, those tax ranges. That's where it falls in. So just think as if on December 31st, you got a big old bonus of whatever gains you had that was short term. And that's how you have to file on your taxes. Um, so short term capital gains is just like just like you got you got money on your regular job, exact same tax rate. Got to be careful with that. Because Let's say if you get in one of these short squeezes and you make hundreds of thousands of dollars and you sell, you're only in that, in that position for 30 days. That's going to be a short term capital gain. And you're looking at having to pay taxes on hundreds of thousands of dollars when you file. All right. Now, versus long term capital gains, long term capital gains occur once you've held that position for more than a year. So 366 days or more, right? A year is not more than a year. So you have to have held it for more than a year. The short-term capital gains rate for most people is going to be 15%. There is a 20% run, but that's, I think, I think for single people, if you make close to single people and married, you got to be near that half a million dollar range. For most people, you're going to be paying 15% for your long-term capital gains, which obviously we would put this as far as rank it in the tax brackets for short-term capital gains, it would be the third lowest one. You got 10, 12, and then you go straight to 22. But if you had a 15% in there for the long-term, it would be 15%. Most people are in that 22% tax bracket range, whether they're married or single, just based off of what the general income numbers are. But um, nah, a lot of people are actually in that 12% range. I think about it, 20 80,000. But regardless, you're going to be paying 15% on your long-term capital gains taxes. And that that's from about... Forty-ish thousand dollars to, so like I said, about half a million in that single to married range. It's a little bit more for married people Um, because that's how the taxes work for that. But yeah, you're going to be paying in, in that type of range. For tax or brokerage account, that's it. You pay taxes when you sell and then that's it. Sometimes you might have to pay tax on the dividends that are in that account. And when I say pay taxes, I really mean file on your taxes. Again, not a CPA, not tax professional, not tax advice, but you'll get Um, All these documents sent out to you required by law from whoever your brokerage is with, letting you know that you got to file X and Y, Z form on for your taxes. All right. Now, the tax brokerage account is straightforward. It's straightforward. Now, how to make use of these accounts. You want to. First, take your employer match, okay, whatever that is, then once you're taking your employer match, I would recommend that you invest into a Roth IRA pinning the income contribution limits. I went over this before, but for the income contribution limits, if you make too much money, you can't invest directly into a Roth IRA. You have to do a backdoor Roth IRA, which means you put the money into traditional IRA first, because again, remember, traditional IRA contributions are post-tax. Then you pay the taxes up front on that traditional IRA when you convert it or roll it over into the, or it should I say, backdoored into the Roth IRA. And I think that limit is it starts at. It changes every year again for tax purposes, but I think it's one hundred twenty-five thousand for this year for single people, and then it's I think one hundred and ninety-eight thousand or two hundred thousand. I might be getting my last year numbers mixed up, but as you as you get around a buck twenty-five for single and two hundred thousand for married filing joint, that's when you may have to start looking at doing a backdoor Roth IRA because as you go up every, uh, I think thousand dollars for each of them, or maybe five hundred for single you can contribute less money into the uh, Roth IRA. So let's just say you make $130,000 and you're single. I believe you can put $5,500. Don't quote me on this. Please do your research and look it up. But I think you can put about $5,500 straight into your Roth IRA. But then the other 500, you have to do the backdoor method. All right. But first you want to do your 401k, take that match. Then you want to do the Roth IRA and try to max that out. $6,000 a year is going to be $500 a month. Once you do that, let me know how you feel and not me directly, but see how you feel. Because that $500 a month that you're kicking out post-tax, that's going to be a big hit for a lot of people. If you're comfortable with doing that $500 a month and you still got some more money left over, you still want to invest, then you should probably look at putting more money into your 401k, um, even if it's traditional or a Roth. If you do have a Roth 401k, some people do say you can just put the money instead of doing the 6000 in your Roth IRA, do the 6000 to your 401k. Even after the contribution, I would say that depends on how good your positions are in your 401k, the options that they give you to invest in. If you have really good options inside of your Roth 401k or your 401k, then no issue with you not putting the money in the Roth IRA as far as that 6,000 and just putting that 6,000 into your Roth 401k. But if you got trash positions in your 401k, your employer, which you can't control, then you might want to look at just taking your match because as they say, it's free money. And then go ahead and doing the Roth IRA for that five hundred dollars a month. But once you do that five hundred dollars a month for the Roth IRA, and you're feeling good, you can look at putting more money into your 401k. Now, for a traditional 401k, or like I said, the traditional IRA, you do have that ability to deduct those contributions from your taxes. This is when you want to sit down with a CPA and see if you need to. You know, if you don't like how your tax situation is going, you're owing too much money. You want to reduce your taxable income. This would going be good to sit down with a CPA and say, hey, how can I use my 401k to my advantage to decrease the amount of money I'm paying in taxes? Again, not tax evad- evasion, but tax avoidance, which is perfectly legal. If you do tax evasion, straight to jail, straight to jail you go. But you want to say, hey, I need to decrease how much money, I, um, you know, how much I'm filing as far as my taxes. I'm getting hammered with my taxes. And usually people's 401k is the go-to. That's usually the easiest way just to get some deductions right then and there. Now, after you do, let's just say you go ahead and you max out your 401k, right? That $20,500, you're maxing out your Roth IRA, that that $500 a month or $6,000 a year. And now you're over to your personal brokerage account. For your personal brokerage account, you can put as much money in there as you want. There are no income limits, nothing like that. It's just a short-term and long-term capital gains. And then obviously the wash sale rule, the wash sale rule is when you uh, sell a similar stock for a loss, either 30 days before or we sell a similar stock and then 30 days before or 30 days after you sold that stock you buy a similar stock. So let's just say you own some Apple and you sell it for a loss of $1,000. 30 days before that sell of the loss or 30 days after that, you can't turn around and buy Apple again, right? Apple is obviously a similar or exact stock of Apple or another similar stock, something like Microsoft would be a similar stock comparable to Apple. Now, what you can do is sell Apple at a loss, but then turn around and buy something like um, FTEC Fidelity, or VGT, Fidelity and Vanguard's respective um, technology sector etfs etfs and stocks are not similar and i'm saying those for example because apple makes up probably close to 20 25 percent of those etfs so etfs are not the same as stocks so the wash sale rule won't take into effect there and again remember a lot of people say 30 days after it's 30 days before as well for the wash sale rule okay so first thing you want to do is put that 401k money in for that match then do your roth IRA 500 dollars Then if you still got some money to invest and you're feeling good about these post-tax contributions, look to maxing out your 401k. And then once you do that, then you want to look at um, tackling your taxable brokerage account. The benefit of the taxable brokerage account is it's more liquid than the IRA and the 401k. You can take that money out whenever you want. you just got to deal with the short term and long term capital gains. You don't have to worry about any withdrawal penalties, no requirement of distributions, nothing like that. Nothing like that. All right. So you want to get to the point where you have that taxable brokerage account, as I talk about the liquidity in the previous episode. So if you do want to save for a house down payment or start, you know, save for a business, real estate, things like that, you can make use of your taxable brokerage account to do that instead of taking a loan out of your IRA or your 401k. All right. So, again, that's it for the 401ks, the IRAs, the taxable brokerage accounts. I will go more in depth to those uh, later on, but I just want to get those out in general. Um, y'all got to start investing. You got to do it by at least, uh, not at least 30, but 30 is when, like, if you haven't started investing yet or really putting the pedals in the metal, you're going to really have to turn it up and get your finances in order because you're going to run out of time from a compound interest standpoint. All right. So remember to hit that like button. Make sure you share and subscribe. Leave them rating reviews on all the platforms. Again, I'm Cylon underscore Corey. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My financial coaching information is in the description on the YouTube videos. $50 for one one-hour session a month, $100 for four one-hour sessions a month, or five, depending on when we decide to meet, because every now and then you got a fifth week in there. For Jordan, you can follow him at J on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and then his business page is finally fit on Instagram and Facebook, and his business page website is finally fit. Fit. Live. The classes have started back. So Jordan has been able to work back, uh, starting his personal training online. So you guys want to have a look at the drive for that. You still get access to the drive, but you can hop in the actual live class. which We have today at six o'clock. All right. As always, you have any questions, concerns, DM me, comment on a post, anything like that. Um, if you have um, a topic going to discuss or anything you all would like to know. All right. So remember to save more and say less and keep making better your best. And I will catch y'all in the next one.